Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. Uh, my name is Pedro. And my name is Lewis. And I'm super excited. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know it's a little it's a little too early for that, right? This is, we just started the podcast. How can I be so excited? No, this is, well, I guess for, for folks who aren't super familiar with uh, how we do things, we like to chat a little bit before we start the podcast because we want to know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So we do a little offline conversation. And I'm going to be honest, this is one of the... First times that I've seen Lewis so excited uh, about a particular project, you know, that I wasn't excited about. Usually we're kind of on the same wavelength. Yeah. But it was so fun to see you really bring up this this movie, this movie and the soundtrack and everything. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I am a fan, but you really seem super hyped about it not just in a way that is is cool but it also gives me you know a feeling that i want to be involved in it too and of course it's it's about a big movie that's coming out from disney the lion king yes baby yes (laughs) the lion king and who doesn't love the lion king bro come on it is it is it is my childhood i forget childhood i mean i i think i Originally, it came out like in 1994. 1994, animated, animated motion picture. Groundbreaking. Huge, huge hit. You know, I mean, the songs are classics. Elton John, of course, helped write along with Tim Rice. It's a, you know, it's a Broadway show now. Mm-hmm. They had a cartoon, a spinoff cartoon. Timon and Pumbaa had a spinoff cartoon, which was hilarious. That's right. That's right. I mean, Disney made like $10 gajillion off of this thing. And... You know, they started with kind of the Jungle Book and, and Dumbo and some of these other movies, kind of making real life recreations of these animated mo- movies. And this one is is not exactly a real life because you can't really do that. These are animals, but it's like super realistic. And yeah, definitely not animated. It, it's it's just the new the new wave of uh, of animation, which makes it yeah, yeah makes it so realistic. I can't think of the term right now, but basically, it's like if you were if the if animals could do what humans were doing or what the cartoon was doing that's what it looks like it's like they're moving and talking and doing all these things but it looks lifelike and it's pretty neat and you know it's it's a little more adult obviously you're catering to a little bit of a different audience with this remake and it's longer longer than the original and different that's the key it's different you're not going to see a rehash of of the line yeah and not only due to the animation but i mean the biggest part and part of the, one of the biggest pull is the, the music, the soundtrack for it. Of course, they they really yeah they really went in and really took a look at every single song and just reworked it in a way that's new, that's fresh. Even lyrically, you know, there 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 are classic moments and and uh, and songs that that we know well. You know, like like uh, Hakuna Matata 
or The Lion Sleeps Tonight, you know, the artists who are now recording those, uh, you know, who did the recordings for this for the soundtrack, you know, approached it their way, of course, right? So you you'll hear Beyonce riffing, you know, R and B riffing on <laughs> on Lion King, but you didn't hear that on the original. You know, you got artists like Donald Glover, who who's amazing. He's he's become like a triple threat who's singing in this in, on this film because he plays the role of Simba. And it's, it's exciting, man. You know, it's it's. Uh, I just came from 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 food shopping with my wife, right? And we're <laughs> we're driving home so I can come home record this podcast, and we're listening to the soundtrack in the car. And I'm super excited, man. I I was hyped. And that's when I when I called you. You know, I'm hyped. I'm like, I just heard it, and I can't believe what I heard, and it's so dope, and it just makes me want to go back. Makes me look forward to watching the movie. Which, uh, by the way, the new Lion King drops on July 18th. You know, it's a big movie with a lot of big stars who are playing, you know, the major roles. And, you know, we're talking about Beyonce, who plays Nala. Donald Glover's playing Simba. Comedian Seth Rogen is playing Pumbaa. Um, comedian Billy Eichner is playing Timon. Some of the classic guys came back. James Earl Jones is still Mufasa. You know, you have uh, a lot of great artists. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key is, is, is uh, on the film. Offrey Woodward. I mean, there's just a bunch of star power behind this, I, as there was on the first one. But, you know, these are artists who are kind of in the now. Right. You're not exactly going to get a lot of people in the theater with Nathan Lane these days. So you want <laughs> right. to, you know, you want to you wanna switch it up a little bit. And I do like that they really incorporated a lot of folks who are somewhat modern, contemporary. I mean, anytime you add Beyonce to any sort of project, you know that you're going to have legions of fans looking to to be involved and, and watch or listen. And, uh, you know, she's, she's working on this project, but also with the intention of creating a new song that is part of the soundtrack called Spirit. But she's creating kind of a uh, soundtrack on music based on the movie separate and apart from this yeah actually it's a full album so she is releasing an album her own album called the lion king the gift which is going to accompany the release of the movie and will include her new single spirit and and beyonce true fashion you know she's she's taking advantage of the opportunity as she should yeah and, and i think that we cannot discount how prince was kind of the catalyst to do something like this mm. you know when batman came out Warner Brothers and the folks involved with Prince were like, hey, this is an opportunity to create some music with a movie and sell some albums, get you involved and kind of have everybody work together for the common good. And Prince was like, "Okay, I mean, I have about 100 songs in the vault here. Let me see what I can work with. And it worked out great. And it became a big deal. I mean, there were always, in my opinion, especially in the 80s and maybe late 70s, there were always songs. I mean, Saturday Night Fever is separate and apart, but there were always songs that you know, hey, that's from that movie. There was always like the title song, that one song. But it was very hard to create a whole album that gave you an essence of a movie in a way that Batman was. And not only that, but all those songs Prince already made. So Beyonce is kind of taking that to another level and kind of using that as a platform and saying, hey, I'm in this movie, I'm involved in this, I can't recreate these classics, but I feel inspired enough to create a whole album based on this and continue to make some money. I think it's a great idea. And not only that, you got artists like Elton John, who who's uh, on tour, been doing his, you know, most of his old stuff, and he's now contributed a brand new single called Never Too Late, which wasn't on the original. Yeah. And, you know, to go back a little bit to what was 1994, Elton John at the time 
besides the whole Princess Diana song, which was basically a remake of an old song, he wasn't up there, you know? Mm-hmm. He was losing a little bit of that momentum. And, you know, we're talking about somebody who has been through a lot and has been in music for a long time. And you had a group of people, especially myself, but in, in the early 90s, I wasn't really looking to listen to Elton John. I found them old. I found them passe. Mm-hmm. And this movie kind of brought him back yeah, yeah. into the spotlight and got a lot of people interested in him and his work, not just from the past, but moving forward. I think this really helped him get to another level. And I mean, you're talking about songs that were uh, quite amazing. Iconic. Can You Feel yeah. the Love Tonight? Amazing. You know, Circle of Life. I mean, I love that stuff. I mean, that's, that's stuff that you'll never forget. Right. And, you know, speaking of songs... From the soundtrack, uh, we we cannot uh, dismiss or discount uh, the classic song uh, "Lion Sleeps Tonight," which really uh, put that movie. I mean, I remember listening to that song and being like, "Oh man, this is perfect." Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was an original when I first heard that. I thought it was a mo- a song originally made for The Lion King, which is not exactly the case. It was a, an old yep. song from a group called The Tokens, I believe. But there's more There's more to that story. Oh, though. yes. And, and you know a little bit more about that because... It- yeah, there's a great documentary out on Netflix called Remastered The Lion Share, The Lion Sleeps Tonight Story. Yeah, it's a story about an African songwriter uh, named Solomon Linda who originally penned this song in 1939. <laughs> The original title was Mbube. It later went on to morph to other titles as the song kind of made its way to different artists. Uh, at one point it was Wimoe, and then finally it became The Lion Sleeps Tonight. The core the core point of the story is that in 1939, the original songwriter Solomon Linda failed to register the copyright for the song. So the song was without copyright for many years as it made it through the hands of different artists and kind of took a life on its own. When he was finally in position to apply for the copyright, you know, he struck a deal with a local publishing company out there who went ahead and was able to uh, apply for the copyright for the original Mbube, which is what he owned. They later on went to uh, to see if they can recoup the, uh, the derivative versions of the song that eventually got into the hands of groups like the Tokens and, uh, and the Weavers and eventually Disney. And through the popularity of the Disney Lion King franchise, of course, that song The Lion Sleeps Tonight wound up generating millions of dollars over the decades. And unfortunately, little of that ever reached Linda's family. So, I mean, that's the, the crust of what the documentary is about, kind of walks you through their fight with Disney. They eventually reached a settlement with Disney, uh, which spanned over 10 years. Uh, and within that 10 years, the story goes that uh, Linda's uh, daughters, who are his heirs after he passed away, you know, made about 250000 each off of, off of that copyright. And the kicker is that, you know, now with this new version of Lion King that's coming out, the Linda family is not recouping anything from those copyrights because their their settlement has expired. So it's a really sad story of, you know, not really knowing or understanding the system and then kind of being taken advantage of by 
by giants in the music business. Who's bigger than Disney? Disney has tons of money, tons of lawyers, uh, and and you know they they'll squeeze you until you give in. And that's kind of what happened in this situation. You know, the, the family had to give in because they couldn't afford to fight Disney, and uh, you know they they got a small, tiny, minute piece of the pie. While this song continues to make millions of dollars, and who knows now with this. With this retake of uh, of the Lion King, who knows how much more money they're gonna make? So uh, again, you know, the whole point of this also, you know, and why I wanted to share it is, it's important for artists to really take copyright seriously, understand its worth. Um, it's it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, copyright is the core, the essential money maker in the music business that that's where the money's at and as long as you protect your copyright you understand how it works as soon as you lay a lyric on a piece of paper as soon as you lay it on a recording um, as soon as you lay it on anything tangible it is your copyright you own it and it's important for you to register that with the u.s copyright um, Congress so that you can make sure that right is protected so that the situation doesn't happen to you so yeah and, and most people would have just assumed that that song was original, that there was, you know, they, they, these folks came up with that, with the lyrics and the whole content of it all, which is not necessarily the no. case. What I find very interesting is if you look at the timeline between when that song was released and when the song was originally recorded, there's a good amount of space there. And it's always important, like you said, to be very vigilant to your work, especially in the world of what is sampling these days and, and streaming and all this kind of stuff. You really want to be on top of that because you don't know. You might record something now, right? And you're like, man, this is, uh, it sounds a little off. It didn't, it wasn't a hit, but maybe you were ahead of your time or it was just the sound sonically didn't mesh. Somebody else hears it, comes up with something and doesn't necessarily rip off your work, but it could be fair game and you want to be paying attention to that. Because what ended up happening is that a label picked up the song, they hired a songwriter and the songwriter added to the existing melody. So that's where they came up. You know, of course, you know, in 1939, they weren't, their lyrics weren't lying sleeps tonight. So they basically translated what the original lyrics were and then kind of embellished it and created more around it. So the work became a derivative work off of the original copyright, but the original copyright owner wasn't aware of it. They just weren't aware of what their rights were until unfortunately it was too late. And, you know, and, and going against a powerhouse like Disney, you know, you're, you're going to end up negotiating out into a deal. Well, that's, that's something that we also want to kind of reiterate to those who are artists and are working on their craft regardless of what they're working on if you are doing something good somebody's going to want to take it from you and you know if you look at the heavy hitters like facebook you know and in the in the social world and in the in in silicon valley you know when it comes to something like that if you have something that they like they either rip it off or buy it from you so you have to you gotta you, you know you can't just have talent you have to have some sort of background and knowledge about how to be able to protect yourself when that time comes and be able to negotiate and this is a plug for our previous podcast episode 23 read the pdf book that we were talking about which is uh, about negotiation <laughs> so you you want to you want to be in tune with that so even though this is a very happy story you know the lion king is a great movie that was a wonderful song but you know, when you're talking about Disney and you're talking about these heavy hitters, man, they will run over you. They're just way too powerful. 
So you want to you want to be careful with that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to melodies and things like that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we must all remember that this is a business it is the business of music. And as as with any business, there is there are rules to the game, you know, and you, you just got to understand those rules, play by those rules so that you're protected. And, uh, and understand them and you educate yourself. There are tons of books out there, tons of resources, documentaries, uh, stuff on YouTube, seminars where you can learn about copyright, where you can learn about music publishing uh, and, and everything that's entailed with that because it's important. It's important, not just the creative. And I think I talked about this in a previous podcast, but you know, sometimes you have, you know, you wear your creative hat and, and you're doing great music and that's wonderful. But there's also a time where you need to wear your business hat where you, you, you set all the balls in motion and you set up so that you're protected, that you have your music copyrighted, that you join with a publishing company, that you're aware of where your music is streaming, you're aware of you know where your music is selling so you can collect on your mechanical royalties. I mean, there's a bunch of rules. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get into another another episode where we'll talk about that just to, you know, inform other artists on, on what that process is. But this is a good reminder or a good backstory to understand that what the repercussions could be when you're not taking care of that. That is uh, correct. So just a bit of a lesson there. And again, go check out that. Uh, we, we seem to be plugging Netflix a lot. That should be giving us a check. But they have. <laughs> Tell me about know, it. They are doing some really, really good things when it comes to documentaries in regards to music. I think that uh, hands down, they are tapping into a niche that uh, uh, Amazon isn't doing. And, you know, some of these other folks aren't doing as well and they could have right they're really going into right. it. i mean oh, apple's coming out with their new streaming service let's see what they come up with but netflix has really hit it out the park with with some of these documentaries and and topics that we probably wouldn't have been talking about uh, so yeah. very, very good stuff again lion king coming out depending on when you're hearing this it's july 18th yeah baby uh, you know i'm gonna be there right yeah in the front. i mean you already have your tickets you're ready to go now, what did you what did you get? IMAX, 3D, regular. What did you get? What kind of tickets did you get to see this? Um, I don't know because they were a gift. My my daughter uh, knows that <laughs> I love Lion King, so she hooked up my, my wife and I, and then we're gonna watch it with my daughter and my granddaughter. Well, this oh, I'm I'm just curious. Will this be their their first experience watching the Lion King, or did you like introduce them to the cartoon and then? Yeah, yeah. We actually maybe a month ago we introduced our granddaughter to the original Lion King, so she's aware of it. She's excited about it, so she knows the characters and knows the songs. So I think this is going to be a great for all of us. I think I think again to your point at the beginning of the podcast, you know the way Disney approached this is very different. You know from from the graphics, from the uh, and you know I can't think of there's a word for that. Um, something CRG CVG. I'm gonna have to look it up. There's a word for how they, what kind of animation this is. But just the the point that that the animation, the music, the the rework on the music, it just makes it so much more exciting to watch again and again. So it's almost gonna be another, you know, a reclassic. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think so. And I think the term you were looking for was photorealistic computer animated. Ah, okay, there you uh, go. A little, it's you know, not necessarily easy. Rolls doesn't roll off the tongue, but. That's that's what it is right there. Photorealistic. It's like they look like so, you know, like, oh, my God. I'll just call it thingamajiggy. That makes it a little easier. <laughs> Music, books, podcasts, articles, just the good stuff. From their library to yours. Musically Speaking recommends. All right. So... 
this time, uh, Pedro here speaking, unless you didn't notice my voice different from Lewis here, but uh, we're gonna I'm gonna do a recommendation here of a a song. Uh, my good friend Roger Ortega is coming out with new music. His last uh, album, The Lottery, that came out a while ago, and and his fans have been very excited for some new music, and he's been teasing some new material for quite some time and he does it in a way that is it's very hard to know what direction he's going to go with you know he's he's showing folks in the studio he's kind of giving people different looks in terms of producers so it's very hard to know what direction he's going with but he has a new single out and he gave us the opportunity to play a snippet of it and give you all a chance to listen to this. And, you know, the song is called Goodbye to Summer. And it's a feel-good song. It's perfect for the summertime. We're in the middle of summer right now when this podcast is being recorded. And, you know, you blast it in your car with your windows down. But there's some there's something else going on in that song. And he really wants you all to really listen closely. Because even though the song is about summer love on the surface... What is the song really about? Check out this snippet, and don't forget, go get your copy of Goodbye to Summer, July 18, out everywhere where you can get it digitally. How many nights did you miss me? I always find my way back. Like the first time you kissed me, I wish we could make this last. But as the sun goes up and it comes back down, there will not be another. Just the way that it was last time we said goodbye to summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, cool. That concludes another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. Hope you love the content. Please be sure to share, to like, to comment, to subscribe. And we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes, 